Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Sophie Ellis-Bexter and welcome to Spinning Plates, the podcast where I speak to busy working women who also happen to be mothers about how they make it work. I'm a singer and I've released seven albums in between having my five sons aged 16 months to 16 years, so I spin a few plates myself. Being a mother can be the most amazing thing, but can also be hard to find time for yourself and your own ambitions. I want to be a bit nosy and see how other people balance everything. Welcome to Spinning Plates. Hello, you. Am I in a very echoey room? Yes, very echoey. I am on my way to get the kids from school and I've run out of time to record this in more leisurely fashion. So basically, I'm now at the tube station near my house and I've gone into... Sometimes at the tube stations, they have those funny little waiting rooms that no one ever uses unless it's freezing. So I'm in here on my own. I'm a bit out of breath because I just ran up the stairs to get to the platform. <laughs> but um, enough about me. How are you? How's your week been? Everything all right? What have I been doing? Uh, what have I been doing? I went to Dublin. I went to Dublin to do something with a department store called Brown Thomas, which is somewhere I always loved visiting when I was little. When I say little, like teenager, when I used to go and visit my friend who was at college, uni, in, uh, in Dublin, I'd go and visit. So I've done something for them for their Christmas campaign, which was pretty fun. And it was nice to go and see Dublin. And it was a beautiful day when I got there. And then, what else have I been doing? I did some filming yesterday, actually, because I've done a track with a German guy called Alex Christensen. And he does a lot of things with orchestras where he does reworkings of old songs. I've done a cover of... Uh, 80s song by Laura Branigan called Self Control and we filmed a little video for that yesterday. My friend Lisa did my hair and makeup and I slept in the eyelashes because they looked good and I'm happy to report they're still on today. So I look a little bit crazy for school run but not much more crazy than normal. And this week's guest is someone I only spoke to last week and actually, what date is it? I think it was her birthday yesterday so Happy 50th birthday, Danny Minogue. Danny Minogue is my guest this week. Completely, completely lovely. Twinkly, positive, upbeat. Must be something in those Minogue jeans that they have such a positive outlook on everything because I know that having done a couple of gigs with Kylie and spoken to her, she's got a very similar outlook. But Kylie's completely lovely. My tube's arrived. I'm going to leave you with the two of us. Um, yeah, it's really lovely to talk to her and I think you'll enjoy it. See you on the other side. I'm 42 now, and when I was approaching my 40s, I remember saying to my mum, I don't really have an idea of what 40s means. I, I had quite a clear idea of my 30s, and weirdly, I was always really looking forward to it. But for me, 40s seems to have been a bit of um, sort of finding myself, you know, still raising a young family, still very, very busy with work, and sort of slightly taking stock of how I found myself where I'm at. Yeah. Is that something that 
resonates with you for what this last decade has been for you as well? Is that normal? Yeah, I mean, I, I was like just finishing off writing my book when um, when my borders broke, <laughs> and then really? there's a baby there. Yeah, wow. and uh, I was like, <laughs> no, I've just got to finish this. It was like literally the last <laughs> thing, and I'm such a control freak and like into details and stuff. And I'm like, no, this can't happen now. Uh, so it was really funny, um, and. I, I, I mean, I've been excited to go into each decade. 30s mm. was my most excitement. And I find that's when women mostly freak out because it's like at 30, you're meant to somehow have a few things together. So are you with somebody that you want to be with? Have you had the baby that you want? Um, are you in the job that you've always dreamed of? And sometimes none of those things have happened yet. And so a lot of people freak out. I was running around doing shows, having a great time, and I just, like, flew into my 30s. Um, going into my 40s, I had, like, a small baby, and it was definitely an adjustment for me. Um, I just got my first birthday card arrive yesterday, and it had this big gold 5-0 on it, and I looked at it, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm that person. I'm that 50-year-old person, like I've been used to going to other people's houses and it's birthday and you see the cards there with those big numbers on it. That's a big number. And, uh, yeah, it wasn't until really I just saw those those numbers there. I was like, oh, this is really happening. Um, I think the best bit has been with the age, uh, you know, of a big birthday approaching is to just look back just take time and look back over what's happened yeah. up until now and enjoy it and enjoy it with family and friends. And I'm sure mm. you've done so much of that with your book. It's like when you open up to something and then you let other people in to that with you, there's this, there are really great conversations that start happening. Um, Definitely. So, yeah, here, here we are. <laughs> oh, here's to it, I say. I mean, I think I actually really like getting older. I like it a lot more than I thought I would. I really enjoy it. I think there's lots and lots of benefits to it. Um, although, actually, funnily enough, whenever I do have a big birthday, I'm never sure if I like the cards that have the big numbers on the front. Not because I don't, I don't mind at all what age I am. I suppose I just feel like people doing that and they kind of deal with it. <laughs> like, here's the numbers, deal with it. But um, I guess you, your, your lockdown has given you plenty of opportunity for that birthday reflection. Mm. So, your, so your birthday, your, are you the, is it the 20th? You Tw are, is 20th right? of October. We'll still, so be, still be in lockdown, in lockdown for the next week. You know, my mum is, you know, it's been stressful. We couldn't have my brother's 50th with him. Uh, this is oh. my second birthday in lockdown. We're just still yeah. here. Um, but I was like, that's fine. We'll just do a family dinner. Yeah. When we come out, you know, it's exactly. just delayed. Not, not, yeah, I had two lockdown birthdays. And actually, yeah, you just sort of get on with it. And I always, I'm a big believer in saving up the celebrations. I mean, we, we won't dwell on lockdown too long because I think, yeah. you know, we've done so many, there's been so many chats. But I do wonder, what does Australia think of the UK? Do you, do you guys think we're absolutely mad? and how we're carrying on and just life is kind of... Because the, the pandemic visibility here is pretty minimal, I'd say. I think we're so in a big fix here at the moment. Mm. Checking, you know, what are the numbers here? What are the numbers in Sydney? You know, are the borders still shut? Can you get across the border? I mean, there's been so much stress yeah. that I... I just don't have time in the day to keep checking on other countries and stuff. I, I'm vaguely yeah, yeah. across it. Like, obviously, my work with QVC, I yeah. am having, um, you know, Zoom meetings all the time and, you know, we check in on each other and, yeah. they're, you know, we're still seeing each other with our bedroom backgrounds um, and some people are just travelling back into the office but it's like... Um, on a rotation kind of thing, not like everybody at once. So yeah. from what I'm seeing through them, that's all I'm seeing and it feels like they're doing it like really slowly and calmly yeah. and really keeping everything to a minimum um, yeah. regardless of what's happening outside. So um, I don't know, that's 
Yeah, I just sometimes I wonder what other countries think. But in, in 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 sort of happier things, you mentioned QVC. So that's something that's happening at the moment. Your a new range of your petite range, and yeah. I was watching a video of you talking about actually a really valid point that petite doesn't mean tiny all over. It's if people. Is it five foot two and under that qualifies for the petite? Yeah, it's basically range. a fashion word that means short. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and uh, they kind of, most labels will say from five foot four and under is petite and five foot and above is regular size. And then you'll have, mm-hmm. I don't know what size it goes for tall, tall people, but there's sort of those three categories with the height. And mm. um, it's been really hard to find clothes my whole life. And it really gave me a complex where I thought something's wrong with me because everyone else I know goes out shopping and they buy something, they put it on and it looks great. I I never could buy anything and it would fit me. Every single piece in my wardrobe was altered to fit. Mm. And my grandma taught me how to sew. I know about patterns. I work with couture designers. So I I could go into... um, you know, a seamstress and say, I need you to do this, this and this. But you can never still get it perfect because when you can't adjust the armhole, if it's mm. a knit, you can't cut it. If there's a zip mm. detail, you can't cut through that. There's all of these things. And it actually, when all the proportions aren't right, it makes you look shorter and wider. Um, but, you know, like you go to a couture fitting and you get something that fits you and you're like, oh, my God, I never look so good. Of course, it's like made to absolutely fit every millimetre of your body. Um, but it was just so depressing because there was never anything out there that I could buy. So I kept thinking every time I took something off the rack, there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. It's that internal dialogue because why doesn't this work? Yeah. It doesn't work. And actually, I think because, yeah. so, so many people, that's so many women. That's, you know, my, my sister actually, she's five foot and I'm sure that would resonate with her hugely. Just that feeling of going into shop and thinking... Oh, there's another place where I'm, I don't see myself reflected in these clothes at all. And I put them on and they just, the arms are too long, the shoulders are too wide, the hem's the wrong length, the waist is in the wrong place. Yeah, you're yeah. constantly made to feel like you're not going to fit in or you've got to shop in the kids' department. For women who are bigger than that, you know, say zero, which people think is petite, if you're mm. a larger size, there's nothing there for you. So QVC have invested in this and they're listening to all of my concerns. There's at least one petite uh, person in every department that I'm working with and at the meetings you just see the petite person go, I know, I feel your pain, I know exactly what you're talking (laughs) about and you have that zing, that connection. Um, And so they've allowed me to do um, from size 6, which I am, up to a size 22. And I don't know anywhere in the world that there is a petite designer designing petite clothes that are that diverse in uh, a range of sizes. So every day I get up, I'm like, I, I just can't believe how great this is that they are backing it all the way. And then the messages that you get on the website from different women, you know, like it's heartbreaking to me. I didn't realise I was petite until my early 20s. There's not a lot of stuff out there. If it is out there, it's not inclusive in sizes. And a lot of it is a very young skew. Um, yes, and I like that, actually. funky fashion stuff. But, um, you know, I've had a baby. So I, I have to wear a bra with everything. You know, once you've breastfed, those guys are the same again. So it's like, <laughs> you know, I'm not wearing these skimpy da-da-da-da-da outfits. Mm. Um, and, you know, to get messages from women... 50 and above up until I remember one just stopped me in my track, a woman who's 70 who ordered one of my jackets and said, it's the first time in my life I've ever had anything that I ordered that fits me. Because it's a true petite. A lot of petite ranges just chop off two inches off the bottom and your sister at five foot would still be hemming them. So I I go three inches up and I everything, the armholes, the necklines, the pattern, yeah. everything is graded down to, to fit on the body. So it's like it's, it's an, an emotional experience when people try it on and they, <gasps> okay, it's, there's nothing wrong with me, you know, and they can yeah. get excited about shopping and excited about fashion. I mean, I see what, 
what you wear and like outfits and costumes and stuff and with you know when you're petite you want to be able to enjoy all of that stuff as well absolutely and how you feel about the, the clothes that you wear I say so much about your identity a lot of the time and actually you know you mentioned there about when you have a baby and sometimes it takes you a little minute after you've become a mum to sort of find yourself again as well and I was thinking you and I've both gone through it where we've had a baby when we have a day job that is very closely associated to our aesthetic and I know when I had my first baby maternity clothes and getting dressed for for anything sort of in the public eye again after it took me quite a long time to sort of find my way back to myself can you remember if that was something that you felt like as well I remember driving past um like schools and I'd see all the parents huddled around I go I'd just be thinking, why do they all dress the same? It's like, what, what? Do you have to dress like that when you have kids? Now I'm one of those parents at the school gate and I'm like, before I had Ethan, the only pair of flat shoes I had were, were for going to the gym, the one mm. pair. And now I need flat shoes, like, for running around, running after him. He's an 11-year-old boy and, yeah. you know, you... Like the waistlines have come up on everything because every time you're bending over to pick up that dummy and now pick up toys and do stuff, like you can't wear low-rise jeans. That's 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 not a <laughs> parent-approved, you know, outfit. You don't want to be. They don't call them mum jeans for nothing, <laughs> right? So um, yeah, it was a whole it was a whole transformation, and it's just like uh, there's the you that's working and and you know mm. got this amazing wardrobe of all these heels and then there's yeah. the mum this is what I need to wear to get through the day and then it's trying to close the gap on those things and I feel like the older Ethan's getting the more I can close that gap again then I'm finding myself where it's like okay if he runs off it, you know he knows he's got to come back it's 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 fine it's not like having a little toddler yeah, no, no, definitely. But it's interesting that you feel like it's still closing the gap because I think it does take, I think it's actually quite an ongoing process and probably as, as well as, you know, you're sort of readjusting to priorities and how you feel about yourself. I mean, quite alarmingly for my kids, I feel like I'm more uninhibited now with what I put on than I've ever been, which I think they'd probably prefer if I was a little bit more inhibited, really. But <laughs> I've just sort of really been enjoying not caring as much. Um, and I don't know, I mean, it's funny, when I put on my, my stuff for, for work, if I put on something sparkly, they kind of are looking at me like, I don't know, it makes me feel like a superhero in a way. It's like having a secret life. I quite like it. And I like going to work and having that space for myself and getting dressed up and the juxtaposition of how I might have started my day, you know, by the school gates and then finishing up wearing something really twinkly. Um, did, you, did you enjoy being pregnant? Was that a nice... Loved it. I loved like at around five, six months when belly's big and you're like rubbing the sides of it. I loved it. I, you like, I I hear a lot of friends say, if I could go back to any age, you know, I'd be twenty with my washboard stomach and you know in a bikini. Honestly, if I could choose anything, I'd just be five months pregnant. It's just (laughs) loved it. I didn't have to suck anything in. It's just like it's out there, like. I just, and I guess there were just so many hormones going on in my body that I was just like, oh, I just loving myself, loving all the changes. And yeah, I was really lucky I had an easy pregnancy and, you know, no sickness or anything. So it was enjoyable. Yeah, that's so lovely as well. I, I know exactly that feeling. I liked it. The more pregnant I got, the more sort of, I really embraced this. It's almost quite an absurd shape you get to by the end, I think, but it feels sort of wonderful, like really like ripe. And I, I really enjoyed that as well, actually. It's yeah. like, and it's so temporary, you know, but it's like just, and also, you know, the fact that your body can do all that. Mm. It's quite a marvel, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I was thinking, so now Ethan is 11, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, so he's pretty much the same age as my second one down, Kit. But is, am I right in thinking that's the age you actually started being on TV when you were 11? No, I started at seven and I was working full time from the age of 10 and, (laughs) you know, you're working full banking weekly paychecks into my bank account from 10. Yeah. So how does it feel now having a child that's that age that you were working full time? 
You like Ethan? What's going on, mate? <laughs> Show, where's my where's my percentage? It's really <laughs> weird because he has a few like passions, like little hobbies, but nothing that he's just that focused on. Like I see other little kids, and there's some kids that do Oz kick footy. And they are there. And you know they're going to end up doing that somewhere because they're obsessed. Every second of the day they're playing footy or whatever it is. I just felt like when I was doing it professionally, I just got to do the thing that I loved. Um, Mm. I wasn't really aware it was a job because it was just joyful and fun, so it didn't feel like a job, although I had, you know, a schedule to keep to. And he's just not that guy. He's just, he's not yeah. someone that is driven yet for anything in particular. So I just love seeing him float about and enjoy the things that, that he likes doing. He loves reading. He loves rap music. So I guess they're two of the biggest things. Yeah. And it's actually quite a marvel, isn't it? When you have a small person and they're kind of so separate to you. And I think, you know, you, before you have a baby, sometimes you picture that you're going to have someone it's almost, you know, something familiar, so maybe like a sort of smaller version of you, but when they actually have their own hopes and desires and passions that are so different, yeah, it's kind of constantly pretty fascinating, isn't it? And, <laughs> yeah. And it sort of impresses you, like, wow, you're really your own person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, it's hard to imagine being being seven and actually having that goal. And, I mean, I was, you know, I, I, I knew already, but I was looking, you know, this morning at all the things you've done, and there's so much in there. It's an incredible career that you've had. Um, and it's almost sort of slightly, I mean, I know you, you do, do get on with all of the acting and presenting and music and lots of different crossover sections, mm. but it did, it does feel a little bit like there's, um, sort of almost like chapter headings to each bit. So TV was really dominant and then mm. music more dominant and now, um, sort of presenting and hosting and your designing mm. is more prominent. Is that the way that it feels from where you're standing as well? Yeah, there are things that have really jumped up up front for me but I really feel like I've done all of them since I started working at 10 so we were singing and dancing in the tv show that I was on they would give us little hosting links to do and I asked if I could design my own costumes for some of the numbers so I was in the wardrobe department um with the wardrobe girls like creating my costumes and then going on and singing my songs. But I'd get like into the production meetings and say, I want to do this song and I want to do it this way and I've got these thoughts. So that whole kind of all of those skills that I end up using as an adult Mm. are what I was just naturally doing back then. And I had all these different departments of people that were willing to spend time and and teach me about stuff. Um, Mm. So it was just expanding on those and or just at times focusing on one of them but um it's really hard when you get that kind of slasher thing where people are like oh she does this 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 for me it's all one thing how you yeah, present yourself music's in me I love communicating with people so tv is a natural for me um the acting has been incredible all of the learning the lines and 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 that teamwork I was in the young talent team, you know, as a kid. It was all teamwork and here's your bit, then you've got to let the other person come forward. And um, I, for me, I'm just doing what I've always done. But now the, now those things have labels to them. And yeah, so I, I normally get that whole slasher intro whenever I'm on any kind of show. It's like the, the, the this, the that, the that, the, you know, but I don't see it that way from me. No, I guess, and I, I suppose as well, what it is is when you're, it's about what's what's visible to people. You know, most people are quite simple creatures, aren't they? Because they'll see one thing and be like, okay, that's what's happening now. And they wouldn't have any idea when you're doing that talent show that you're also in the wardrobe department saying, actually, I want to get involved with making my, my, my fashion. And which obviously now tallies completely with all the threads of what, what you do now. And I suppose it's a matter of, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm so amazed at how um, self-motivated you were from such a young age. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. 
Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You know, listening to how you speak about how you're a mother to Ethan and letting him just flourish and see where his passions take him, it actually sounds like maybe your mum was doing the same thing and reacting to, she wasn't there kind of going, why didn't you go over there and ask if you can do presenting? You sounded like you were kind of going, right, now I want to do this and now I want to do that. And was she quite a reactive mother to what you wanted to do? I think it was... A combination. So my mum had three kids under the age of three. I don't know how you do that. Wow. There weren't even disposable nappies back then. We had like the cloth nappies with the big pins in the side. I'm like, mum, how did you do it? (laughs) Um, So when we were old enough to have like some activity to do after school, um, it was easier for mum to take us all to the same place. And my sister really loved to be musical, so she learnt the flute, the piano, um, and a whole bunch of things. So mum said, oh, do you want to come and learn something too? I tried learning it, and I was just like, this is just not my passion. And mm. it's kind of just a waste of money, and, like, I just didn't get it. So I, I asked her, please, 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 can I go to a school to learn how to sing and dance? That's all I want to do. And um, they looked up a place in the Yellow Pages for me, you know, and kids listening to this, the Yellow Pages was Google back then. That's where how you found <laughs> phone numbers for places. Yeah. Um, and found this place to learn how to sing and dance and that was actually connected to the TV show Young Talent Time. So I had no idea. I had no ambitions to go audition for anything. I just wanted to learn how to do it because... It was a hobby that I loved. Um, And the teachers saw me there and said to the producers, you've got to bring her in for an audition because, like, she's just standing out in the class and you should see her. And when they asked me for the audition, I just thought, you've got the wrong person because there were all these girls there that would also do a Stedfords and they'd come dressed up, fully made up, fully costumes, and their their mums were out the back sewing sequins, you know, furiously on all of these lycra leotards. And I just rocked up, like, in my school uniform and I was just, like, low-key, not involved. And so I really thought that they'd messed up and, like, put the wrong student name on the audition. But I was like, hey, I'll go. It'll be a great experience. And um, I went and the, the rest is history. But it, the thing that got me into it was I saw a Living Newton-John in Greece and oh, I was like, yeah. that's what I want to do. I did not know it was a job. I just that, singing, dancing. And when she has that clothing transformation in it was everything yeah. to me. 
And yeah. um, I just, I had that, just a feeling of being drawn to that. And then when I had my first moment on stage in the TV show Young Talent Time, I stood on the stage and there's a full live audience and then bright lights coming towards me. So, you know, when you, you're looking at the audience and they're sort of in the dark, you can sort of see people, but it's kind of dark, but you see that light coming towards you. Yeah. And so young, I just had this feeling that went all through my body to my toes, like, this is joy. This is uh, this is where I want to be. So whatever I have yeah. to do to be up here on stage under the lights, that's what I want to do. And but not knowing, uh, do I have the talents for that? You know, yeah. could it be good enough to do it? What does that entail? I had no idea. But I think maybe you have to have that feeling of like it's it's sort of this or nothing. I think because I think you have to have that relationship with it. You have to sort of thrive on it. Otherwise, you're you just won't probably go the distance. No. I think, um, I think it was Ed Sheeran that was saying that um, you, if you want to make it as a musician, you've sort of got to have no plan B. And I, yeah. you know, no, nothing. And I actually think I, I don't actually have any other qualifications. It's the, the, the things <laughs> I ended up doing are like literally the only things I can do, I feel like. Yeah, <laughs> so. me, me too. I left school at 16. Um, I don't have any qualifications. None. Yeah. Um, it was a real um, joy for me quite a few years ago to get an honorary doctorate in the arts at Southampton Solent University in the UK and to be wow, recognised cool. for this whole lifetime of working and doing what I'm doing. Um, and it's That's when, amazing. I love that. Yeah, when something like that happens, you're like, hmm, yeah, I guess... Uh, I guess I do have, <laughs> have yeah. you know, accumulated a lot of skills, but yeah, no qualifications as such. Well, I guess as well, it, it, it uh, reinforces the validity of the arts, actually, because what both of us are talking about is obviously something that does take a lot of hard, hard graft and you've worked really hard and earned your stripes and proved your talent over and over. But I think we actually, in terms of, you know, the, the path we set for, for kids in education, puts actually the value on that quite low. So that's why you're sort of encouraged to think that that's actually, you know, if you'd been doing the same thing and it led up to you being a doctor, you wouldn't be sat there going, oh, I actually haven't got any other qualifications. I can only be a doctor, guys. You know, it has to be enough, actually, you know? Yeah. It's sort of the way, the perspective that we skew onto what is actually a lot of talent and a lot yeah. of um, diversity and uh, resourcefulness and resilience. So it's quite a, that's probably a whole other thing, really. But... On so that, it was very interesting during um, the pandemic and our country being, you know, thrown into the spin of COVID. My father saying to me, oh, you know, the government are putting money into this field and that field and making sure we've got people trained for this and that. And, of course, it's like, you know, building and science and stuff like that. Mm. But they're just stripping everything away from the arts and I nearly lost my breath and I said to him, right, imagine the entire world going through this pandemic with no music, no mm. art, no Netflix, no TV, no fashion. Like I, know, I've, like I see on Instagram how much people embrace, went into their wardrobe, grabbed things. This makes me feel good of actually finding what, you know, sparks yeah. joy. And yeah. and you're right. It's it's so it's not highly regarded, and there's just there's there's so little respect for it. But if you just ask people to stop and imagine their lives without any of that, it it'd be real bleak. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And also coming out the other side of everything, it's going to be what helps articulate what we've been through and make the you know make sense of some of the emotions. You do that through through the arts you know there'll be some really clever stuff that comes out of all the things we've been experiencing that reflects back at us you know it gives us a way to a language to speak about it mm. it's going to be really that'll be beneficial it'll be like a little bit of art therapy that comes out of it as well yeah um so i'm thinking about the ambition that you had and that feeling in the spotlight and i was doing lots of of nodding to you with that because 
I also completely relate to the love of Olivia Newton-John in Greece. That's definitely up there as one of my inspirations as well. But So when you're getting on with everything, did you always think you'd be a mum? Was it always something in your peripheral vision or not really? I, I never did. Like, I had friends that were like, right, by this age I'm having one kid or I'm having three kids and I'm going to live there and I'm going to do that. And I had no plan. Like, complete, you know, just in the music industry, I'm like, I don't know, like, next week I've got a gig in Russia. I don't, you know, and then I'm going to Greece <laughs> and then um, there's another one in so Turkey. So no baby that and <laughs> Then I'm off to Ibiza and no plan. Um, but I had no maternal feelings at all until I started doing X Factor in the UK. And so mentoring there, um, working with the artists and trying to give them any experience that I had to try and help them and then seeing them evolve was like, wow, I feel so like I'm, I'm doing something and I loved that experience of the mentoring. And I think people could see watching the show it was a whole different experience for me on the judging panel than for other people who weren't weren't performers. And um, like when I, I joined the panel, none of the other panel were performers. And then Cheryl Cole came, so she knew that feeling. But it was just great to to work with you know all of the people that that came on the show. But I was real tough love, like real, really firm. Um, and I wouldn't take any nonsense from anyone. And, you know, it was all of that that you use in parenting and that just, I don't know, it just opened my eyes to something like maybe I could do this. So I don't know if it was a confidence thing before that that I was just like, oh, no, that's not for me. Um, and I guess... So you mean like it was almost like a maternal dynamic you felt with getting people, like mentoring? Yeah, yeah. It was just the yeah. first time I'd felt that. It's different yeah, from it's working in a thing. team and working in a group. It's like imparting your knowledge and then seeing that help that person was really cool. Oh, that's really lovely. And I suppose that makes complete sense because it's, yeah, you're sort of nurturing and reacting and, uh, and yeah, imparting, imparting what wisdom you have and seeing if you can help someone on their own way and their own journey through it all. Yeah. Um, but I was thinking as well that... You know, you mentioned about when women are in their 30s and they're thinking about, you know, oh, have I had, am I with the right person? Have I had the right baby? Is this all going on? People who've got plans. But I think as well in, in the public eye, I think there's a real lack of tact when it comes to the questions we ask women about, about their fertility, about their baby plans, about all of that stuff. I mean, was that something that used to bother you or are you kind of, I suppose if you're not feeling particularly like you've got a baby in the plans, maybe you were just thinking... I can answer that. I don't yeah, know. How did you feel? I when guess because I, I wasn't trying and I didn't have any difficulty. It didn't register with me. I didn't really bother. But now reading so much after being able to have a child and then knowing people who can't and the hurt that that, you know, brings with it when people just constantly asking and, and then other women saying once they've had one child, it's always, when are you going to have another? When are you going to have another? When are you going to have another? And it's like, yeah. do you really want me to turn around and say, well, maybe I can't? You know, like, it is it is difficult. Um, there's a magazine here that, um, I don't know how long ago it was, they just said, we don't ask women that. We, we, we do not, like, if you come here and you do an interview with us, that will never be on the list of questions, which I think is That's really brilliant. cool. Mm. That is and really And then cool, if people actually, yeah. want to bring it up, they, they bring it up in the interview, but they're not asked about it. Yeah, because I think um, there's a big difference between someone saying it to you conversationally, because, look, you know, family stuff is a really natural icebreaker. And I don't, you know, sometimes people are really well-meaning and they'll say something that might be you know, touching on a really sensitive subject and they don't know. But I do think in in the public eye, there's a sort of slightly different emphasis and it's not it's not coming from a friendship thing. It's more in a kind of sort of gathering information. And I've always thought, um, I just find it very peculiar, really, that it's so, such a uh, such a front and centre part of conversations, you know, to say about if you're having kids and then once, as you say, if you've had one, if you're having more or when you're planning that and all that, I just think it's it's really, really personal. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think, you know, you have to, you get this sort of layer of 
answering it in a way that, well, for me anyway, I've always answered those anything like that in a way that doesn't ever betray that I think it's personal, if that makes sense, to kind mm. of just make it move on. Mm. But really, I think what that magazine has done is brilliant. I think mm. that's more of that, please. Yeah. It's not really very, very fair at all. Um, and I was thinking as well that, so if you're one of three under three, that is a big crowd to be in from the get-go. And do you think there might have been a part of you that might have quite enjoyed a little bit more space like Ethan's experiencing? I think, because I grew up as an only child for quite a long time and I, I, I didn't know any different and I quite, I quite liked a lot of it, I think. <laughs> I, um, I was pretty close with my brother growing up just because we were closer in age and my sister was mm. like, I don't want to hang out with those two young ones. And I shared a bedroom <laughs> with my sister and we had a big line that we taped down the middle of the room like you don't come on my side and I'm not coming on your side and it was just it's kind of like a difficult age gap at that age um and what so was the age gap sorry so three, three, years, years. three years three years and um but with my brother he would he was looking for someone to hang out with so he would rope me into stuff put me on a bike on the top of a hill and go it's okay you don't need brakes and push me down I'm like yeah but what <laughs> <laughs> and we would, you know, I was a real tomboy. We would, our favourite thing was going and catching lizards and frogs and I would always come home covered in mud and mum just let us go and play and be kids and it was it was really great. It wasn't until I got older that I got really into much more girly stuff but I guess it was when... You know, I was seeing movies like Grease with Olivia and, mm. and that whole clothing thing. And I was like, whoa, 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 what? This is, yeah. this is insane. And how long were you sharing a room then? Was that throughout your whole sort of childhood? No, it was, we moved houses a lot when we were um, younger. Um, so it was in a particular house that we lived in um, probably till I was about 10. So, okay, so we you were, get your own space we were over the it, years. yeah, and I guess yeah. mum and dad knew we were over it, so we, we <laughs> moved to a house where we had our own room and that was just unreal. Yeah, and um, do you, are you, sorry, jumping around a bit, but you, are you the sort of mother that you thought you would be? I, mean, I was thinking about when you were saying about the mentoring sort of sparking something in you. Is, is that actually, does it actually seem quite similar to what your mothering is like or is it very different? yeah like tough oh, really? so I'm 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 very firm and there are rules but then it's just as you say like wanting to see that person blossom and find themselves like here's what I know but they've got to put that together in their own way to use it and mm. find out what works for them so when you say about rules it's, and tough life and I think that's brilliant and I'm I, I I hope I've got enough boundaries in place. I think I'm probably a bit of a more of a pushover than I would have liked. But what kind of thing do you mean? Do you mean in terms of like um, behaviour or in terms of uh, how the day is structured? Like not not structuring of the day, but just like manners, and that's outside the house and inside the house. So some kids are like when they're in front of other adults, it's like okay, I've been told you know to put on my best behaviour, and it's like. With Ethan, I expect him to respect the fact that there are other people living in this house too. So he can do mm. his thing, I can do my thing, but, you know, dude, we've all got to, like, live together and you've got responsibilities and things that you've got to live up to. And I think that, you know, I never spoke to him like a little baby or a little boy. I spoke to him like an adult and I, you know, at one he would sit in his high chair and say delicious rather than yum yum like it's just you know <laughs> it was just because yeah. he was hearing what I was saying and and so yeah he's pretty he's pretty switched on but he's um he's a kid so yes and actually you're possibly approaching the bit where he gets taller than you and then the telling off changes dynamic as well because uh it's it's different when you're telling off someone where you have to look up to them instead of look down i think that <laughs> may have been also wrapped up in me being strict because i knew that it was 
going to be, he'd be very young age where he would be taller than me. Um, so his dad's over six foot and, yeah, he's turned 11 in July and he's he's almost my height now. So, you know, that's it's a funny it. thing, it's, isn't it, when I'm you're looking him in the eye? Up. <laughs> Was there ever a part of you that thought you might not go back to to the same day job? Was there ever a question mark with that? Um, after having Ethan? Yeah, um, yeah. I was, I was itching to work. I didn't, I love being a mum, but I don't want to be a mum 100% at the time. Um, I love it when he goes to school, he does his thing. Obviously, this is really hard now because with so many, so much homeschooling, we're getting on top of each other. But I, I really like going off and, and doing my thing and getting that fulfilment. And like you said before, getting dressed up in fabulous costumes and, and, he he sees me now like he knows when I'm getting ready for work as opposed to just getting ready to do something else. And uh, yeah. he's he's cool with it, you know. He's he he doesn't. When he was very very small, he didn't want to leave me, but he's cool. He lets me go and do my thing and come back. Yeah, did you? Well, it's fun. That's actually really impressive because sometimes I find it the other way that it gets a bit harder when they get older. But I guess if you've always managed to place a lot of um, respect associated with what you do for a living, then I think that rubs off on them. And I actually realised in lockdown that I hadn't done enough of that, so I'd sort of downplayed my work a lot. So now that I'm back to full pelt, I've had quite a lot of conversations with them recently where they're saying oh I wish you could just do something else because you're always out now and you're always going off to work and I think one of them's like can't you just be an author and then you can just write at home while I'm at school and then be there when I get in um so I think that's really smart of you to have sort of build that in that that give it that space that that significance that actually this is part of who I am and what I need for me mm. um but can you remember when he was little did it was there a, a weird feeling when you first went back because I I found it quite a big adjustment trying to sort of find myself again, I think, when I had Sonny, who's he's 17 now, but I felt like um, I felt like some of the edges had been knocked off me a little bit, I think, in terms of who, how, how, it was a bit like, how do I normally do this? How do I normally perform? How do I normally look? Did you have any of that or was it quite smooth? The thing that I had and I still have now is that internal clock that's got their schedule running as well mm. like I cannot be a you know if I'm if I don't see a clock and I don't have my phone on me I know when it's pickup time it's like oh my god it's school pickup time like it's just you have that internal body clock or I'll be at work and I'll if it's you know when it's bedtime and stuff I'll, I'll be working but I'll be kind of thinking oh when I get a break I just want to make a, a call and see did he get off to sleep like how is he so it's just that you're running another person's schedule as well constantly in in the back of your mind. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. It's like you have all these, like, threads in your head of what else is happening and, okay, they'll be doing this now. I mean, it sounds like throughout your life you've picked up so many life skills. What, what do you think you hope that you can pass on to Ethan out of what you've learnt through your life? Um... Well, like you were saying before, he's just so different to me. Um, I I like him to be really open of other people who are different to him and accepting of other people that are different to him. That's that's huge for me. And so, you know, he, he's getting that now at this age. And I think kids this age are so different than like my generation when we were at school, like anything different stood out, but we didn't see stuff in media with people that were different. Like um, now I see from commercials there's, you know, someone with prosthetic legs in a commercial, There, but it's not for prosthetic legs. They're in a commercial for an ice cream or something like it. There's like um, just you. people are visible now across media and it's so much more accepted. Like I don't hear the stuff coming out of his mouth or the kids at school 
that's the kind of teasing and stuff that used to go on when I was school because we're just they're just more open to yeah to people being different from them and that's okay yeah no, I think that's a really a brilliant thing actually because I remember um I did this um conversation I was chatting to a, a guest called Sylvia Mack and she she um, really sadly when she was only really little and she was two she'd been scolded very badly burnt very badly on her back left her with terrible um terrible scars and it really affected her confidence and lots of things but I remember saying to her always did you see anyone out there that sort of you know you, you felt like reflected was there, was there any sort of body out there that you thought oh yeah that they're like me and she said yeah the elephant man and I thought wow we're, we're much better now aren't we at, at being inclusive and appreciating that you know so many people so many people in fact probably everybody in some way falls outside of the typical we've all got things that are more conventional side of us and the things that fall outside of it um and actually you know when you started talking about the petite range and you know how going into shops and not seeing yourself there to some people that's you know I say well that's just fashion but actually how you choose to present yourself how you want to dress feeling that that is accessible for you that you're allowed to celebrate your form and go out in confidence that's actually a really big deal so those things of yeah being more inclusive and for kids to grow up thinking that you know they're not gonna um be it's okay to be curious about things that are different to you but you're definitely going to be supportive and appreciate not everybody's leading the same life as you yeah empathy is a good life skill for sure yeah i sure. think with um i try to think about the different aspects of what i'm doing with my design and one thing that always sticks out to me is that we've all heard growing up like dress for the job you want and like make it sharp and if you're going after that job you dress the best that you can well when there aren't clothes there that fit you to dress for that job you're going to miss out on that job so if um i was in a job that required suiting that doesn't exist so it's all going to look so big on me they visually see when i walk in the room it looks like she's a kid wearing adults clothes so we're not going to listen to her ideas like she's another adult on the same wavelength as us you get treated mm. like a kid if you look like things don't fit you so if you have sort of three people come in for the job and you're the person that's just wearing the clothes that don't fit you and you're doing your best yeah. They're like, let's go with the the sharp one that was like, you know. But you could be saying exactly the same, but people don't hear you. They're not listening to you because they're visually taken in. It's that that classy thing when you walk through the door. It's the first ten seconds. People look you top to toe and then back up to your face, and that information's gone in. So I'm like, I want people to have that opportunity, who don't have the budget for, you know, getting something made specifically to fit them to be able to walk in and buy something that gives them you know that confidence um and with my petite clothing in Australia I made them you know put invest money into having mannequins made because I'd never walked into a store and seen myself it's like I'm not the maternity mannequin I'm not the regular size because even with the regular ones they make them sort of over 6 foot tall and mm. I'm not the kids mannequin but the one I relate most to is the kids mannequin but that's that's how people tend to see yeah. you and treat you as well so it's like really cool it, the the confidence that it gives you inside is is hard to describe but when I speak to other petite people yeah. we just we just click yeah yeah No no I think it's brilliant. I think it's really brilliant. Um I was thinking sort of back to the motherhood. When you've been talking about you know all the things you've got going on and clearly still working incredibly hard and in very diverse fields. It sounds like Ethan and you know motherhood sort of tessellated really quite sort of surprisingly sort of smoothly into everything. Is that did that surprise you? I mean I think that's really wonderful. I don't think it always has to be, you know, this has been really tough but i just would it especially if you spent a lot of your 30s thinking i'm not that sure i mean does it does it surprise you how how you know ethan's just come along for the ride now it's really been quite effortless the only thing that was difficult was when i got sick after having him and i didn't know for ages what was wrong with me so i just got to the point where i was 
getting weaker and weaker and losing more and more and more weight. And um, I remember looking into his cot and he's ready to get up. And I remember just looking down at him thinking, I don't know if I can physically lift you out of there. Um, obviously, when you have a newborn, you're so everyone sleep deprived. So you're like, I, I'm not feeling great. But that's understandable because like I, you know, I haven't slept through the night. Uh, so it kind of crept up on me and it was that one moment where I'm like, I don't even know how I'm going to pick up my child and I have to pick him up to look after him. So I find out that my thyroid had gone, which happens to a lot of women. Uh, that happened to me. The, you know, what happens with childbirth, like putting your body through a lot. Mm. So uh, my thyroid had gone. So I found that and I was thinking, okay, well, that makes sense. That's it. And started to regulate my body weight and, um, and you know, feel pretty good again, but something was still not right. And then I got appendicitis and I had to be rushed to the hospital and have my appendix out. After that, I was like, oh, now I feel like myself again. But having to go through wow. health problems with a small child and working and trying to look after him, that was that was extremely difficult. So I always just think now, like, as long as I've got my health, like, that's all I want is just, just have my health, then it's fine. Definitely. Yeah, big time. No, that's, that's, a, and actually, I think that, well, I don't know. I, I think that thyroid thing is quite, quite a common thing. I know that mm. happened to me. I didn't have the appendicitis as well, though. That must have been awful. That's like a real emergency situation as well, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's a big It was, like, I was in London, and I remember really clearly, it was, Friday night going into Saturday of Easter weekend and I'm on the floor. I've been vomiting for hours. I'm now bringing up bile and I'm like, I have to get myself to a hospital. And I call my GP and I'm like, as if he's going to pick up. After one ring, he just picked up the phone and my, my doctor answers straight away and like gets me to a hospital. But it's like, yeah, you just... I was thinking, I don't know, like, because they all, like, split and go on holidays, like, at times yeah, if yeah. you're like that. Mm. I know, and you're thinking, you're not supposed to be taking time off. I need you now. <laughs> um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm actually really happy to hear it. I think effortless is a lovely um, word to be able to use about becoming a mother, particularly when, you know, your, your work is so much part of who you are. I mean, we, we all, every mother has a different relationship with their work, and... For some people, particularly, you know, if you're a creative person, then the the seam between what you do for a living and who you are is it's not really one there. It's just it, it's just about you know where how the balance is in terms of your life. But you need it to feel like you. I think. Yeah. So it's I think it's really lovely to hear that it's effortless because I think sometimes you can worry that that's not going to be the case. But actually, yeah. you kind of always come back to yourself in the end, somewhere along the line, definitely. Yeah. Um, so before I let you go, I want to say firstly, it's been such a joy to talk to you properly. I know we've met a couple of times, but I really, really enjoyed talking to you. I think you're so brilliant. So thank you very much for your time. Um, and secondly, I have, I realised when you were talking about the extent of the lockdown, that there's actually a loophole that you can totally flaunt should you want to be able to fly home because... Um, I know it's the other side of the tracks, but I last week filmed a cameo for Neighbours. Oh, my um, God, I saw you were working <laughs> with my best mate. Lee was directing. Yes, yes. He's I, my best friend. Oh, my God, uh, so, I saw all the pictures. <laughs> so, basically, what, what the girl... So, I did a scene with um, Gemma Donovan. Yeah. And so, she lives half in Melbourne and half in the UK, half in London. Yeah. She'd been in lockdown in Melbourne and couldn't leave, so got neighbours to film an episode in London just so that she could leave so I oh, thought you know wow. you can exploit some of your contacts there maybe wow. say, to do a sort of guest appearance in Home and Away I could revisit and then get them to film it in wherever you want to go actually yeah. you could probably do it in time for a really you know they could do like a thing in maybe the Caribbean when it's your 50th or something I don't know you could you could really work this exactly. system if you wanted to exactly <laughs> am I allowed to ask uh, what yeah. character you played or you can't say anything about it yet I can tell you everything it's just that I'm it's a bit disappointing in a way because there's not really a huge amount to say I, I'm playing myself it's it was one scene um actually I said I did it last week I did I did it on Monday um and 
Um, yeah, so I have one scene with Gemma and uh, everybody was completely lovely and I really enjoyed it. And um, yeah, it was really good fun. And I think sort of 10-year-old me is definitely high-fiving me for being oh in Neighbours because I used to watch that all the time and Home and Away, obviously. So yeah, that was so much part. I mean, I didn't realise actually that it's really just big in the UK, Neighbours. In Australia, it's not even really that that known, apparently. No, it's like Home and Away and Neighbours are still really big here. It's just you know, the population of the UK, that's where their big volume uh, numbers are. But... Um, oh, well, that's what Gemma told me. She said people in Australia didn't really know it, so I wasn't, no, wasn't surposing. No, But yes, uh, oh, so no, they do know. Okay, cool. And uh, <laughs> whenever my friends come from the UK, because it's in my home city, mm. the first thing they want to do is go on the neighbours bus tour that goes past Ramsey Street. <laughs> and the studio that I grew up in doing that show Young Talent Time that I told you about is mm. Studio A in Nunawading uh, at Channel 10 Studios. That is now the Neighbours studio. So I went for a visit. Um, the show that I was on just had their 50th anniversary of their first show because it ran for 18 years. And... Um, I walked in the studio and I was like, this is, this is my studio. Why is it, you know, got all of the neighbours set in here? And one of the girls was filming outside and she ran in and she said, I got permission to come on the set and say hi to you. She said, I'm a huge fan. I grew up watching Young Talent Time and I'm working on Neighbours and just wanted to let you know that there's a bunch of crew that work on Neighbours that worked with you on Young Talent oh, wow. Time and they all want to come and say hi, but they're filming scenes. They can't, like, come in. It was oh. surreal. It was just... But, yeah, maybe when we get you back to Australia sometime... Yes. It, you, you have to film in at the, the Neighbours studio, do a, just a little, really another fun. cameo. That'd be great. <laughs> I would love that. Yeah, sign so me up. Yeah, when, you're right. Maybe I should. When does your episode go out? Because I know they really closed the gap from, like, when my sister was doing Neighbours. It was, like, a year lag before the episode oh, came wow. out. But I don't think it's that long anymore. I don't think. I think it is still early next year, though. I don't think it's this year. But, yeah, okay. I, think, I, I think they said spring. Um, but, wow, yeah, I didn't realise it was such a big lag. That really is. Yeah, wow. But um, no, they're, they're, yeah, I think everything speds up now, hasn't it? You know, yeah. between uh, recording things and putting things out. Yeah. You know, the thirst is there. The hunger is there. <laughs> so do you <laughs> so have... Wait for this. Has that um, wet your appetite? Do you have any other, like, things that you want to tick off with TV shows or anything? I mean, when I was younger, I thought that would be what I'd do. I thought I'd be an actor. And I, I did, like, acting courses and stuff, but... Music is my first love. But, yeah, I think there's certain things where you think if the right things comes along, I would definitely say yes. And I think, I don't know, maybe like you, I kind of thrive on the fact that any day, like any point, I could get an email or a phone call and it kind of changes the next thing I'm up to. And I've always really liked that feeling. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't yeah. do a job where it's like, I know what I'm doing for the next year. Like Exactly. I don't really know my whole schedule for tomorrow or next week. <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, so great to speak to you and, like, your kitchen discos and podcasts have become so important during this time where we're, we are trapped inside and, and I know. we want to let our minds wander to other places. So it's just been so brilliant that you've done this and hopefully, you know, keep, keep doing it because um, I know some of these things just came to you during lockdown period, but um, it's just such a great connection with, with people. Definitely, I couldn't agree more. And plus, it's been the only time I can lock myself in a room and, yeah, actually finish a sentence when, yeah. um, when all the homeschooling was happening. So, yeah, there was, was a loophole there too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just say, Mummy, I'm recording. Yeah, exactly. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I've been doing that uh, here in Australia, like the rooms I go into and I have to say to Ethan, right, for the next hour, unless you're on fire... Or exactly. there's a limb missing, just don't come in. <laughs> yeah, I have those conversations too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Perfect. All right, Danny, well, listen, take care. Have a lovely evening and very happy birthday for next week. Thank have you. Have a really good one. Thank you so much. <laughs> Until our paths cross again. Take care, Danny. Thank you. Bye-bye. So while you were listening to me talking to Danny, I was travelling only two stops in the tube 
How is that the time works that way? The weird ways of chronology in podcast land. Uh, yeah, I'm now... It's actually a really beautiful day. It's really sunny. And I'm walking to get my kids from school. And um, how nice was Danny? Very positive, upbeat lady. I really enjoy talking to her. She's very twinkly, pretty perfect pop star, I'd say. But also, I loved how multi-layered her talent is. I love the idea of Tiny Danny on her talent show, instructing the uh, tailors how to get the fit right on her costumes. And when I spoke to my sister Martha, who is around the five-foot mark, she was nodding in agreement to everything I said about how Danny spoke about clothes fitting. And uh, so I've, I've put her in the direction of the QVC range because I think actually there's a lot of stuff I haven't really thought about. Like it's not just making the skirts shorter on dresses, is it? There's a lot more to it there about where everything is in proportion. So well done, Danny. Clearly there's, there's a need for that. And Martha, my sister, gives it the thumbs up. And uh, yeah. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for keeping me company while I was on my tube journey. And I hope the sky is blue wherever you are. I'm really appreciating these days. It's going to be all dark soon. The blooming clock's about to change. I absolutely hate that. I don't, I don't agree with it. I hope I haven't offended any listening farmers. As I understand, it's the farming community who benefit. But for the likes of old me... You walk the kids to school every morning, going out in the dark is not that much fun. So, yeah, anyway, that's all on the very middle-aged conversation there about daylight saving time, which I'm sure is not what you came to me for today. So what have I got for you next week? <laughs> I'm trying to think who I've got recorded. I've got... Is it two I've got more I've got recorded or three more? some good ones oh yes actually no I've got three recording they're all excellent wow you lucky things what a treat I've laid out for you with this series everything from sex coaches to Australian pop strolls and some flipping good chats anyway um, I'm starting to get nearer the queue of other parents now and I don't really want them to see me looking like I was talking to myself in my false eyelashes from yesterday so with that well Bid you farewell. Send you lots of love. Same place, same time next week, yeah? Take care. Have a good half-term. Bye-bye. Oh, be Halloween soon. Yay. Be spooky. Bye-bye.